Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here with you, along with Stephanie Burke and the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Science advisor, Matt Moniz. He has the night off. Just got back from a long trip, so... The last thing he wants to do is come in here and hang with us. I think it's pretty cool if you hang with us. Maybe I'm biased, though. Well, you know, you also didn't spend two weeks on a different time zone having to readjust. So I didn't. That's right. But uh, we're glad to have him back safe and sound in Massachusetts. And we'll, sure, we'll, we'll, be, sh- we'll be sure to share stories with him uh, about Chicago. I don't know if he had a chance. I told him while he was out there if he wanted to check out anything paranormally related to let me know. Because we've got a few friends out there, of course. Uh, Ursula Bielski, who runs mm-hmm. the, the ghost tours out there. And a few other investigators that we know out there. I, I just don't think that he had the time. I don't think so either. So, although he seemed to have a good time from some of the pictures he was posting right. up, so glad, but glad he's home and hopefully he'll be back with us next week. Uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. We broadcast live here on WBSM and on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and the new and improved Spooky TV with the new chat room. I know you had a problem with it, Stephanie, getting I did. it to load once I started broadcasting. This did not have an issue over Let me here. Try again. So I don't I don't know why that is, but I have it going right now, and I can see it. And if you are listening, seven thousand oh, high school students. That's my bad. <laughs> nope, won't load for me. That was seven thousand high school students who are trying to log in all at the same time. Yeah. That's why you couldn't that's get in. That's why we're so popular. <laughs> so, many people, the site. so many people in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, if you listen to the program and you've always wanted to be interactive with it, but you're afraid to call, and I don't know why. We don't gonna, bite. Yeah, we're not going to tear your head off. No. Maybe if Moniz calls in, we'll, we'll tear his head off. Maybe. Like, well, you can call in, but you can't come in. But, uh, you know, anybody else that calls in, we're, we're always nice to the callers. And so, but some people are shy. They don't want to have their voice on the radio. And if that's the case, all you have to do is go to the chat room at Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, and you can interact with us. And the best part about it is you can either make up a name or you can log in with your Twitter. So either way. Well, that's pretty cool. I do like it, though, if you use some kind of a name. Don't just be random. Because uh, if we're going to like ask a question on the air, I don't want to be like, uh, user 74583597 says. Right. I want to be able to actually refer to you as something. Plus, we'd like to know who you are. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is that you know you get the chance to do like what I did today, where you go out to, I went out to the South Coast Toy and Comic Show, and you run into listeners, and they're like, oh, well, I'm usually in the chat room. Well, what's your name? Oh, my name is uh, Pinky Wiggledoo. <laughs> I think there was a time oh, way back when. Pinky Wiggledoo. I like that. All that right. should be yours. Um, way back when, probably like, I don't know, four years ago, the chat room that you guys had, I knew who every person was by their strange name that they had on there because they were there every single week and they had such bizarre names, I knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And it was almost fun to try to figure out like who each person was in real life, but... Which is fun for Matt and I, because we like to go in there under assumed names. We do. You've done that to me on Spirit Connections yes, many a time. Yes, that was, that was one of our <laughs> favorite things to do. <laughs> and it wasn't even a coordinated effort. Like We just we just knew how to do it together. We knew how to kind right. of swarm in and attack. You guys do a good job. That's true. We're like the killer bees yeah. of paranormal chat rooms. We should start doing that to other people's shows. Just going in... Other people's chat rooms and just it, causing a ruckus. Not really causing a ruckus, but we should just go in there and like just have conversations yeah. with each other. Yeah, you know, but it, it wouldn't make a difference because that's what everybody does in every chat room. 
But uh, I know that I have a lot of fun when I go in the 30-odd minutes chat room. There's a great nice. great crowd in there. I've never been. That's because you used to be doing Spirit Connections. I know, I, was, I know. So, But now you could try. I kind of checked out last week's episode. Of, it was after the fact, though. Of, of 30-odd 30 minutes? 30-odd, yep. I, I haven't uh, I haven't been keeping up. I, the last one I watched was the Chris Jericho one a couple weeks ago. Okay. But that was pretty cool. Well, last week was pretty cool. It was uh, Sleepy Hollow. Nice, nice. So it was interesting to watch. I watched a little bit of it. Didn't catch the whole thing, but support Andy Lake, so. Absolutely. And, and Matt, we run 30-odd minutes reruns on, on Spooky TV, right? Uh, we don't right now. We don't. Why? We can, and we will. Is that just it's just a just a time thing of being able to get them and put them up there? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, <laughs> but it's not. We're not like we're still friends with Jeff, right? Um, yeah, he's all right. He's okay, all right. yeah, I guess so. Because he's still like we still talk and text every day. Okay, like it'd be really awkward if he was yeah, like <laughs> him and I were cool, but like he's like I friggin' hate yeah, spooky yeah. South Coast. I can't now. decide what what day to put him on. I, I don't know what like what's a good mm-hmm. time slot. Uh, well, if you ask him every day. Yes, yeah. multiple times per day. Right. right, right. It's like anytime there isn't another show on, it should just be a thirty odd minutes rerun. <laughs> That's, that <laughs> Sounds would, about right. That would make him happy. Uh, <laughs> but we do have a we have a new show in the works. So we're actually in talks with uh, with some people from New Hampshire. Uh, right. Who have a new show, and uh, we're in talks with them about getting it on the network. Seems like it's uh, at least what I've seen. I've, I've watched some of their their uh, previous episodes. It looks like it's a, a great quality program, and it looks like it's done well in terms of you know technical speak. I don't know if you had a chance to check out any of it, Matt. Yet it is. It's very very well done, and um, like we don't really have high standards here. No, not at and all. And these are they apparently they do. <laughs> Where, so that's which is which is nice. They're classing up the joint. Yeah, churching it up. Like and oh and, and that's the thing. You know, if if you have a show, if you have a program out there, and you're looking for a place to have it featured, you know, Spooky TV is not like these other online networks. We don't charge anybody anything to be part of our network. You know why? Because it doesn't cost us anything to put it on. Right. Except Matt costs us time, which is yeah, worth nothing. Pretty much. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can pay him in kittens, and I'll just take the kittens home. He just wants to see it succeed. That's all. And then when it becomes a success, then he's going to want the big bucks. Yeah, then, he'll, then sell he'll, it. he'll take all the sell credit. Sell it like Mark does. <laughs> 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 so the, the bottom line is, Arthur T. DeMoulis, if you need a job, we're we, hiring. we need somebody to download and upload programs. To spooky TV, but I, I went there today. What a ghost town! Is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, things aren't going so well. Right. The funny thing is, is all the stuff is sitting in trucks behind actually, the store. I actually felt bad crossing the line to go into the store. <laughs> <laughs> but like you're, I, not, you're like, I'm not. I'm, I'm just a scab I, shopper. I just bought a couple things, and like as I was walking out, I was like, maybe I should just give it to these people. Well, no, they're not. They're not like poor. They're picketing. Oh. They're on strike. Yeah, but they don't. They don't get paid do for they? that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they probably have some money to last. Mm. I would think so. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. They, you I, can't get paid that much to work at a grocery store. I, so. I have to say, I would love to be able to take a, a, a moral and uh, and. and I just, just I just felt bad leaving with the groceries. Like I felt just terrible. <laughs> They're like, "Hey, what'd you buy? Eggs? Hey, let me see those for a second. And then they throw them at you. Well, it almost feels wrong oh, su- supporting like, something <laughs> that everybody else won't. So. Oh, I why are there that. only ten in this dozen? I think. <laughs> Yeah, you just walk out with the bag. Somebody slaps them out of your hand. No, no, bad <laughs> shopper. You go to Stop and Shop and pay seventy five dollars more for your weekly groceries. I I really do think that uh, you know it's a moral stand is great to take. I can't afford to take one though. No, I if wouldn't I, be able to. Anything no. happened like that at my company, I'd be like, no, I'm going into work. A couple yeah. of days maybe. I'll stick it out. 
I, you know, I just would I just stand there and shake my fist, <laughs> like we used to do every day at our old job. Uh, why do I keep coming back here? Damn you, poverty! Mm-hmm. That'll do it. But anyway, so uh, we do have some new programs coming to Spooky TV, and if you have a show and you would like to have it put on Spooky TV, again, we don't charge, so there's no fees associated with coming on the show. The only thing that we ask for is that you actually provide the show. It would act in in. Try not to suck. It doesn't have to be professional quality. We're not trying, you know, we're not trying to get launched as a cable network or anything here, but just, you know, have some have some pride in your work. Right. We're just kind of using it as it's 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 your platform. Right. So you can convey your your thoughts and opinions and with your TV show or radio program or whatever. We probably should put something on the screen. I don't know how much you can mess with the layout of Spooky TV. But we should probably have like a little box under the video stream oh, like, yeah. that says like these uh, these thoughts and opinions are solely those of the host and not of Spooky South Coast. Probably a good idea. Not of WBSM, yeah. Town Square Media, it's or its affiliates. Because yeah. you never know what can happen. Absolutely, people say some wacky things. They do. So, and also uh, we have a former show that's considering making a comeback too. Oh, really? So, yes. Hmm. You spent you spent a lot of time. With this, uh, with this young lady helping her get her show launched, and it only lasted like an episode or two, but now she's thinking about coming cool. back. I so I think you know, I think I know who you're talking about. So if uh, if it all works out, and she's like, "Well, what can I do to make it better?" I'm like, "Well, hook up with your local cable access station." That does help because, as we found, that seems to work. Yes, because right. Spirit Connections, Ghosts Are Near, these are all produced via cable access, and uh, and then they're put up on Spooky TV. So should be a chance for folks who. Have something to say, but nowhere to say it. That's what we like to make Spooky TV. And we lo- we want to make SpookySouthCoast.com a place where people go all week long, not just when the show is on the air. We've done a terrible, terrible job of that so far. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we keep trying. We keep having ideas. Ideas are great. Being able to put them into action is a different story. But Spooky TV is alive and well, so definitely check it out all week long. Uh, we have program pretty much every night there's something, right? Something or other. Yeah, at least uh, three or four nights a week. So, so that's that's not, that's not it's not too shabby. I don't think. Yeah, I think we're already doing better than half the networks on actual television. If nice. that's the case. Although I don't know how I feel about clowns. Well, no, you know how you feel about clowns. I know, I know how I feel about them. I feel you bad. Don't, you don't know how you feel about us having a Airing show with clowns. clowns. Yes. yes, that's all right. If the way I see it is, if the clowns who are on the flagship show of Spooky TV can make it, so can Chuckles and Laughs. So. <laughs> Nothing against Chuckles. I don't know Chuckles. He just scares me a little bit. Uh, he does more than scare you. He terrifies you. I did hide behind the table at Terracon. You were practically burrowing when you saw him coming. I know. He's very nice, though. I've heard that, and it makes me feel bad. But I just don't I don't have a thing for clowns. It's just not working out for me. His name's Calbert. Is it? Hmm. That makes me I've feel never... a little better. <laughs> Is that, that's really his name? Yes, I've never met a, a, a bad Albert. Well, it's good to know. Is, is he, uh, what about Albert DeSalvo, the Boston Strangler? Oh, well, all right then. Well, I've never met him. You met his ghost. That's true. Allegedly. <laughs> Uh-oh. You don't remember that? No. That TV show that we did, Conversations with a Serial Killer? Was that the name of it? Yes. <laughs> I can never remember it. There's clips of it on YouTube. You right. can actually find it. It if sounds you... familiar, but I don't know if I ever saw it. It was a show that was produced for the UK, mm-hmm. so it never, I don't think it ever aired in the it's United like States. Like True Life Network or something? It was on... Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Hmm. Living TV. 
Mm. That was it. Living TV in the UK. So if uh, if you YouTube search for conversations with a serial killer and Albert DeSalvo or Boston Strangler, you'll mm-hmm. find the episode. And it was great because we went to Boston to film it. They went into one of the apartments, well, one of the apartment buildings mm-hmm. where DeSalvo or whoever the Boston Strangler was strangled one of the victims. And the building itself was now a dorm for uh, Boston University. So when we went there, we were told that we weren't going to be in the exact apartment where it happened, but we were in the okay. building because the people who live in the exact apartment wouldn't let them come in and film. So it's ourselves, it's Chris Balzano, Jeff Belanger, and we had just, you had just finished making like the day before our first Shack Hack. Our first oh, yeah. cell phone like, to the dead, as you know. Like this is really... going to be a while ago then. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had, didn't even like really test it. We hadn't tested much. it at yeah. all. <laughs> and I, I don't even think I saw it in action until we yeah. put it on the table <laughs> in this apartment. Yep. And we, we don't even know. And, and so the, the people behind the TV show were like, well, let's not mention the fact that you just made this. No, they weren't telling us to lie. They weren't telling us, uh, you know, say like you've been using these forever and that you're, you know, an expert. Yeah. At, at ghost boxes, but just don't say we've never used this before. Mm-hmm. So we try, we're sitting there trying it out, and we have no idea. Like our ears aren't attuned to it at all. And uh, and the two hosts, this is the first time they've ever seen one of these things. So we're sitting there sharing these stories uh, uh, about other things that we've heard come through the boxes. And it's like, oh, really, really? And I was like, yeah, but not on this box. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if this is going to work yet. And so we're sitting there, and uh, we're, we're trying to contact Albert DeSalvo, and we think that we caught him. And I, I don't even remember anymore at this point, like, exactly what was coming through. I do remember that it was giving us responses, but we were getting a lot of yes-no responses. Did we get, like, a little bit of a Red Sox game? <laughs> well, yeah, the Red Sox were playing, which is another story that I'll tell you in a second. But the, the Red Sox were playing, like, a block away from us, and... Uh, every time we would be like, where are you from? Boston. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, because they say Boston's coming up to bat next. Right. You know, Boston's three and two. And so all all this, all, you know, just the line of questioning was not preferential. to It's not how I would do a ghost box session now. Right. And I don't even necessarily believe that ghost boxes actually work the way that we think that they work. But if it does work, I have had some pretty phenomenal experiences with them. Right. I can agree with that. I just don't know that I really think that ghosts are grabbing the words that they want to use. I've heard words come through it that aren't from the radio. Yep. So I think that it's it's just a way for them to communicate, and it doesn't have to be from the broadcast. I agree with that, absolutely. So th- all we were getting that night was things that were from the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you watch it, you can kind of see, like, it was a lot of it was done with editing, the way they make it seem like it was like, snap, snap, snap. It yeah. wasn't like that. It never is, though. The best part about this, though... Across the street from the apartment building was a falafel joint. And I had never had a falafel before, and I was hungry. I was like, I want to go get some falafel. So I go over there, and I'm, I think, I, I think, who, was it you? Someone was there with me already. The sound guy is running back and forth, like loading up the equipment from yep. the car across the street into the apartment. He's crossing the street, holding some equipment at one point, and a car hits him. What? This oh, big, yeah. this right. big SUV. Oh it's the God. sound guy. And uh, this guy's from England, so you know he doesn't know how people right. drive in Boston. It was like, it was like nat- <laughs> National Lampoon. Right. Oh, oh just <laughs> only a fresh <laughs> Okay. So he... Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I found a family on vacation. Yeah. Uh, so, he, uh, so he goes down, 
<laughs> he I was, assume so. It wasn't a hard hit. I mean, it's a it's a lot of traffic in this area. It's right, right around Fenway, so it's it, nobody's moving fast. But the guy was moving pretty well. So he he hits the sound guy. He goes down. Uh, the guy gets out of the car. He's like, "Are you all right?" Yeah. He's like, "All right. Well, uh, can you get up? I'm trying to get over to the Red Sox game." That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so the the sound guy's just like, "What?" So needless to say, we got a little bit of a late start between right. you know eating falafel and oh having our God. sound guy get hit by a car. The falafel is really good. Mm. And if I remember right, did we barely got paid for that? Barely got paid, but we did get paid. It was, I think it was our first paid Spooky South Coast gig. <laughs> well, they give us like 40 bucks each. You know what, though? You get some priceless stories out of it. That yeah. should be all that matters. And we got to meet some nice people. And, and the, uh, the the ghost box that we made, the, the Shack Hack, was impressive enough that the host wanted one. So I made him one. Oh, really? Yep. Bobby? Yep. Yeah. And we actually had Bobby, uh, I, Bobby I Marquezio. I descended to England, but he paid for shipping, so that's cool. That's not bad. That's good. It's back in the days when you could send electronics overseas. Yeah, right. Now they stop you from doing that. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just happened to turn and look at the chat room to see if there's any questions. And uh, and what happens? I see the word gynecological in the chat room. <laughs> Why? There is a question in the chat room. Uh, they want to know if there's any chance of us bringing back uh, Spooky Crossroads, the show that I did on okay. Spooky TV with Chris Balzano. I don't think so. Chris is kind of retired from the paranormal. Uh, so it looks like now uh, we are not going to be bringing that show back. But we can probably do some kind of behind-the-scenes, you know, uh, kind of off-the-air type discussion at some point. That's what people liked about Spooky Crossroads is it was really just Chris and I rambling yeah. for hours. I told you people like it. Yeah. It was, it, it was basically our phone conversations broadcast over the Internet. That must so that have people been could funny. listen in. It was pretty good, and we didn't hold back. So, which is know, even better. Maybe we'll do something uh, like that a little bit, a little bit more in the future. But we'll we'll see what we can do about that. Now, tonight, of course, it is August second as we we're recording this. So we are two days away from the 122nd anniversary of the Borden murders. And the idea that I had for tonight was I thought that maybe we could share some of our stories from Lizzie Borden's. Now, mm-hmm. we've told them all here on the air over the years many, many times, uh, but we do have a lot of new listeners. We get new listeners every day who haven't gone back and listened to all the archives, and it's been kind of a... If there's two cornerstones of Spooky South Coast, if there's two kind of... Uh, you know, like, like the North and South Star of the show that drive us in either direction, it, I have to say, one is Lizzie Borden, and one is the Bridgewater Triangle. Those two... It's pretty good. Those seem to be the, the two things that we always go back to again and again. We have an annual show every year where we send teams out into the Bridgewater Triangle, and we have usually one show, sometimes more than that, a year, where we discuss the Borden case in some form or fashion. Right. So these are the two things, and they're, they're both unique to our area. So there's no other paranormal show out there that can cover those two topics like we can. Plus, I think even if you wanted to get away from it, it'd be impossible. Right. It would find you. Really. And and so much of what we do ends up being tied back into those two topics one way or another. So we've been able to have a number of experiences uh, in the Borden house over the years. We've been there probably more than anybody else. Right. And so we have a pretty unique perspective. What we haven't really done is we haven't looked at it with the forest for the trees. 
You know, we have we've we've had all these little experiences over time, and every once in a while we take a step back and we try to see what the bigger picture is of all of it. But we really haven't done that in a while. I think the last time I really sat and looked at at the whole Borden story, and I'm talking not just the murders, but everything that's happened since. I think the last time that we did that, or I did it personally, was when I was writing Ghosts of the South Coast. Mm -hmm. So back in 2010. And things have happened since then that can influence what I thought back then. And... Stephanie, you have abilities that can influence the way that you see things. Right. And so every time you're going there, you're getting new and more information than you have in the past. We were just there different. last month. Yep. Or two months ago now. But um, and when you go there, as you know, the company that you're with can have an effect on what happens when anything you're there. Anything can have an effect. The weather, the month, the date, anything. People don't realize it, that any little thing changes things. And I was actually discussing this today. And... Um, everybody has their own energy that they bring to things in whether you want to call it psychical energy because we're moving, living, breathing human beings that all have different thoughts and different ways of vibrating. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, you could bring in that one person that has zero abilities, just a regular everyday person, but their energy is what stirs things up. So you never know what can happen in any type of location, especially the board in the house. And our experiences... And as much as people will hear about our experiences and, and, and the experiences of people who we've been with there, and they'll want to go there and have similar things happen to them, when other people go to the house, whether it be for an investigation, just for a tour, to stay overnight, just to visit, they're going to have different things happen to them. Right. So tonight, as we're trying to put these pieces together and have the broader story of the board and I guess the entire mythology of it, mm-hmm. as we're trying to put all those pieces together, we need input from you as well. So anyone out there who has had an experience and wants to share it, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We'll have the phone lines open throughout the course of the show. And it doesn't have to be just about that. We can have open lines where we can discuss anything that you want. But we'd love to, to really get some more information to put into the pot here uh, for the Borden case. And then what we'll do is we'll talk about this, and then when we come back at the start of the second hour, we'll do the Week in Weird, Mm -hmm. and then after that, we'll jump even more into this. And, you know, we never know where the conversation is going to go when we do one of these free-form... You never know. You know, normally we call these, like, paranormal potpourri. But tonight we're going to try to use the Borden Borden case as the driving force uh, behind that. Now, I know a lot of folks out there who are skeptical that a place could be as haunted as the Borden house. Matt Costa being one of the most skeptical people that I know, especially when we started out. I mean, right. his, his mind's been changed a bit, I think, uh, in the years since, because I've seen him more open to the possibility of experiences. You know, and, and I think, Matt, that you've probably had, I don't know how much of it's happened to you personally enough to change your mind, but you've seen people that you know and trust have experiences over the years. Right. I mean, um, after so many years of it getting drilled into your head, I guess, how could I, um, like, discount everything, I suppose? Yeah, he's like, you know, Weisberg, Moniz, you guys are nuts. So I never believed it when you guys were telling me. But now that Stephanie's here and she's telling me, I'll believe her because she's normal. (laughs) Well, as normal as you could possibly be. You're definitely the most normal of this group. Well, that's good to hear. You should tell my husband that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, he knows He knows that you're the most normal person on this show. I don't know. He uh, might think you guys are, are a little bit better and easier to deal with. Well, that's um, fine. That doesn't make us normal. That just makes him like us. He likes to call me a lunatic, and his reasoning is because I talk to dead people. 
He only uses it as an excuse just to call me a lunatic. He knew that going in. That's what I told him. That's what I told him. He asked me. Um, I think, Matt, you had a pretty hard way of looking at things with the paranormal, but um, when Matt came on to help us with spirit connections, um, I'd like to think his whole world was turned upside down. That's true. (laughs) We uh, we actually, we went from... You guys converted me. I, I feel like we did because we went from spirit connections to this is what we do to um, when we filled that, filmed that little segment up in the attic at uh, the studio. Right. And we were doing the readings and stuff, and Matt couldn't run from there on out. He was kind of stuck. So you trapped me. I did. <laughs> so I'd like to think we changed your mind a little bit. I think so. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I think you'd say yes anyways, but... Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was interesting to watch your your whole face change. So it's it's always interesting to see somebody have their their aha moment or their their realization of wait, there could be something different. There mm-hmm. could be something out there. Maybe there is an afterlife. Maybe there are ghosts. Maybe there are mediums. But when we walked into the boarding house for the first time, it was I want to say it was June sixth of two thousand six. It was it was uh, the first week of June in two thousand six. We'd only been doing the show for uh, about six months at the time, and this was our first chance to get in there and check it out. We were going to have Leanne on the show, mm-hmm. and we decided the night before to go check it out. And now I'm usually all about any story that I hear. I'm like, yeah, this place has got to be haunted. Listen to these stories. And I, I try to get like into it. When we walked out of that place, though, Matt, we talked about it the whole way home. We're like, nope, no way. It's all a gimmick. <laughs> right, right. Like, we were convinced there was no way that, that it was haunted. But part of that was the, the setup of the way that we were there. Right. I don't know if we were there long enough either the first time. No. We were only there for, like, a couple like, of hours. Like, you know how, um, like, when Ghost Hunters went there the first time, they weren't there. They were only there, like, four or five hours. They were, they were there for, like, three days, oh, according totally, to TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> totally, TV's totally real. Right. No, they only, <laughs> they went and they investigated for a couple of hours. He's right. Right. Well... Maybe a little longer than that, but I mean, you, like you can't determine a place is haunted in one night because I mean, sometimes things don't come out. Yeah, we've been there when we've had off nights, uh, but that first time we were there, it was we went at the tail end of the last tour. We didn't even take the tour; we just wandered around. Yeah. Eleanor kind of showed us around a bit, and she shared some of her stories. But we just felt like there's nothing here, mm-hmm. and I actually kind of had that Steve Gonzalez mentality of. Any place with a gift shop can't be haunted, you know. And, and I, I think you uh, you can't really classify something as haunted or not haunted. I think you can just classify it as there's activity here, or there's not activity. Sure. At the time of when you're there. I don't really like the word haunted. So like, I, I think haunted means like it's a house with like shutters are closing back and forth, like extreme activity. There's always there's always yeah. thunder and lightning uh, like behind in the background. It's a bad and, cartoon. Right. <laughs> well, I, I can it's, a, use... it's basically a, a Frank Grace picture all the time. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's, that's a great way of putting it. I, I mean, I like to use haunted to refer to a place that's uh, that's regularly active. I guess mm-hmm. we could say maybe we should eliminate the haunted word and start using something along those lines. If you know, uh, regularly active or, or significantly active. And when we walked in there the first time, I didn't feel any of that. Now I I I suppose I've had to modify this. Over the years, and I've said I can't really feel or sense anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changed. I think that I, I think can so kind too. of walk in. I mean, I was talking to you today mm-hmm. about the place where I was at, and I was like, eh, I don't like the way that I felt in here. Right, and your feelings were 100% accurate. 
So, I mean, I guess I'm becoming a little bit more attuned, and you can't help but doing it when you no, The more you, know, you, you open your mind it. to it, the more it finds you. It's like if you watch enough football, you kind of learn about football. Right. So uh, the being there that first time, we walked out of it saying, nope. But we were still open to the possibility. We just didn't think that it was the case. And it wasn't until we went there a few months later mm-hmm. uh, for Jeanette's birthday. Uh, one of our loyal listeners from the very beginning came all the way out from California for her wow. birthday, rented out the entire Lizzie Borden house, and we basically had it to ourselves. It was us, her, and the other husband and wife team, Tammy and Mike. I think they were the only ones there in the house. And things were happening. And that's when the leg lift happened for the first time. Oh, really? And that's when I was kind of like, all right, I know that that wasn't me. And even if it was me, subconsciously, and I wasn't actively trying to lift my own legs, it's happened to enough other people. People that I know would never do it just based on the power of suggestion Mm -hmm. that I'm convinced that there's something to it now. Do I think that it's definitely a ghost that comes over here and grabs your legs and lifts them up? I don't know. You had it happen to you, Steph, and you would know if it was something there holding your legs. Do you get the feeling that there was a presence there that was doing that? I remember... It's been a while now, but um, I remember I I may be a medium, but I am one of the biggest skeptics ever, mm-hmm. and I always look for a way to debunk something, or if I hear a story, I'm sent a video, I'm sent a picture, anything like that. I look for a reason as to why it happened before I even go into the paranormal aspect. So when you asked me to sit down and try it, I thought to myself, there's no way. There's no way this is going to happen. He's pulling my leg right now, and the nicest way that I can put that, and, you know, he's just screwing pun, with pun me. completely intended. Yeah. So um, when I did try it, I remember feeling like there was something that was pulling up on my shoelaces or pulling up on, like, my pant leg. And um, in my own head, I'm thinking, you know, this is not happening. And um, I remember thinking to myself, you know, making a connection with the spirits in the room. Okay, if you are in here you know, let's, let's make this happen. Let's do it. Don't be afraid. And, um, it actually did happen. And I remember feeling like a tug. Do I think that they held it there the whole time? I don't know, but I think they had something to do with it actually moving. So I guess we'll never know, but I remember feeling like that was probably one of the like top three most bizarre moments of my life. Well, in, I always tell the story to folks when we take them there on a legend trips event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we never really timed anybody's right. leg lift to see how long it goes. And it's different for everybody. I mean, sometimes it takes longer for it to happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it happens right away and it lasts a few minutes. Sometimes it lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. I remember your situation being that somebody was running a tape. Okay. And they had just put the tape in when you were starting the session. So, mm-hmm. And yours went up relatively quickly, I remember. I can't remember. It was it was pretty pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um and they ran the entire tape okay, with your legs out there. See, to me, it feels like it was like 10 minutes. Right. But everybody else had said it was so much longer. You know, it went this amount of time. And I wasn't the only one. I remember, like, a younger guy next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it, too. And it took a little while for his to go up. But he was laying there just as long as I was. Right. So it wasn't just me. And it was, I think it was a 90-minute tape. That's back, crazy. Back then, we didn't really do a very good job of moving people from... I was going to say, how long... I think I was in the last group. Because that, that wasn't a Legend Trips event. That was a Spooky South Coast event, right? That was actually the original... Well, the original was the Paranite, but mm-hmm. it wasn't called Legend Trips. This was the first one under the Legend Trips okay. name. So the very first one 
probably wasn't run the same way that we do it now. So, because um, that was when we had a full blown dinner and. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And, and that that the schedule got completely blown out of the water by right. that, right? So then the. So the maybe it wasn't ninety minutes, and maybe it was forty-five minutes. Then, if it was That's still a long time, right? It's still no way longer than anybody could ever hold their legs out, right? Like that. And I have horrible arthritis in both of my knees, so there's no way I would have been able to do that. And, and they were straight out the entire time. It wasn't like they started wobbling, right? And, you know, and if you try to hold your legs straight out like that, you're gonna—it's impossible. They're gonna start to drift and fall. Your muscles and, will cramp, and you know, it's painful. And the way that you lay in the bed. Uh, and for those who haven't seen, if you you know go on YouTube and look up scariest places in America, look up thirty odd minutes, all those, mm-hmm. you know the the stories are explained and all that. And the way that you lay on the bed, the edge of the bed kind of goes right behind your kneecap, right. pushing into all those tendons. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't be able to hold them like that. No, it's impossible. But it happens again and again and again. It's and almost like I had my feet up on a table is what it felt like. Exactly. Yeah. You feel yeah. like I could actually feel like there were hands holding my feet, holding mm-hmm. the, the, the balls of my feet. Yeah, it was comfortable. And the one thing that I've always wanted to try, too, because, I, again, I, even though I felt that, I can't say for sure that there is definitely a ghost there holding my legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I've always wanted to try, and I should talk to Leanne about doing this maybe in the off season, but I want to try moving the bed. Okay. To see if it's like a different position. Yep, just move it, maybe twist it around, uh, or even just a few feet. Because what if it is something physical? Within, or, yeah, yeah, maybe it's like just one of those weird, you know, uh, what do they call it, like a gravity hill? Yep. You know, there's one in, one of those in Sandwich on the Cape. So maybe it's something along those lines. I don't know. Hmm. I know that in, the, in Bridget Sullivan's room which is just down the hall from that room where the leg lifting happens. It's a weird room, too. Because of the way that the ceiling goes one way and the floor goes the other. It maybe, can give you that weird perception. Yeah. Maybe that is something that's also causing what happens with the leg lift. I don't know. We can do different things, bring levels in and, you know, see. I have seen handprints, though. That's what I freaks me out more than anything. Do you remember the last time that we went? There was it was weird. You can see the fingers mm-hmm. grabbing someone's leg or grabbing someone's shoe, uh, and it's. You almost wonder if your eyes are playing tricks on you. We tried all different lights. We tried red light. We tried mm-hmm. regular flashlight. We tried with the lights on, lights off. Um, it looked weird no matter what way you looked at it. So I just I don't know, Matt. I got to ask you what what are your thoughts on the on the leg lift? Because you've never had it happen to you. Have you? No, no, I haven't. Yeah. Had. I, I tried it a couple times, um, but it never. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if my feet stunk or whatever, but maybe, probably. I'm gonna go with yes. Yeah. <laughs> just, just got a great, got right. a great just quote. Like, Was that you? Is that you in the chat room? No, it's not. Okay, because we just got a great quote in the chat room. <laughs> there's when, never a science. Advisor. There's never a science advisor when you need one. <laughs> Uh, that's so perfect. Great job, Carlos Danger. <laughs> Should be a bumper sticker. That's where that's going to be the new T-shirt design if we ever get more T-shirts. I like that. So that was kind of the first big story mm-hmm. that came out. Now, how does that factor into the Borden story? It, you know, we've found a way to kind of make it fit to some degree. Because there's the story of how before the Borden family lived in that house, there was a relative of Andrew Borden who lived on the property, right. and that she actually murdered two of her children. I tried to kill the third one, didn't succeed, but then went upstairs into the attic of her house and slit her own throat. It's a pretty so she, tragic story. She drowned the two two children, 
And uh, this is confirmed. There's newspaper stories about it. Uh, Leanne has actually given me copies of the newspaper. It's it actually legitimately. I actually have it tucked in to my Lizzie Borden source book at home, which is every article on the case from the newspapers at the time. So I tucked that into there mm-hmm. so that I would never lose it. And uh, and it it really happened. So a lot of folks think that whoever is doing that is the spirits of those two children. But I've also been I've also seen it happen in such a forceful manner that I I don't think that it's kids. I think it's something beyond that. I think there's something beyond all of that in that house anyways. Well, that's that's something that we're definitely hint, hint, wink, wink. going to get into. <laughs> I mean, the other possibility too is Michael the former caretaker used to sl- stay in that room. Okay. And when he, when the when Leanne and, and her partner Donald took ownership of the house, he had worked there for the McGinns, for Martha McGinn, who ran it as a bed and breakfast previously. Uh, she had inherited it from her grandparents, and when Leanne and Donald bought it, they didn't need Michael's services anymore. And just getting started off as business owners, they couldn't really afford to have him on. And uh, he actually passed away not long after losing his job there. He apparently, from what I've heard... Uh, he was smoking in bed. I did hear that. Started a fire and, and he passed away. So his spirit is reported as being in there. He was actually one of the first spirits that I made contact with in that house. Really? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, because of course, you know, growing up in the area, you hear all about the Borden house, all about Lizzie Borden legends, all about the characters of the house. And when I made contact with someone named Michael, I had no idea where that even fit in. So I thought maybe it was something personal for somebody that was there and when they brought it up they said no that's that's the caretaker so it was one of those moments that kind of freak you out because you realize you're right even though it doesn't sound right to your logical mind but um yeah he was one of the first that i made contact with we do have a call on the line and again the number is 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you would like to call in and share any of your boarding experiences or anything else that's on your mind good evening you're on spooky south coast hey tim this is bill hey bill what's going on not much i've been to the boarding house uh five six times now uh, there's been times that i've felt nothing like you said earlier there's been times that we've witnessed things that we weren't sure what was really going on, but the last time we were there was April. We rented the whole house out with another small investigative group. We were doing our normal thing, going around, checking with our meters and stuff. Mm -hmm. Right by the dining room, when we heard the back door open, footsteps, the back door closed, we assumed it was Leanne coming in to check on the house or grab sure. some cat food for the cat. Me and another guy walked over. Nobody there. Wow. It was crazy. Yes, and that's happened to us, too. <laughs> we've, we've had that happen as well. Uh, we, but we weren't on the same floor. You guys were on the same floor? We were right outside the dining room. We were in the parlor. Wow. We heard the door open. We heard footsteps. We heard the door close. We said, oh, Leanne's here. She's going to get some food for the cat, or she's checking on us. So Frank and I walked over. Nobody. And, and for those unfamiliar with the layout, that would have meant that there's only two ways that somebody could have gone uh, if they'd come in that back door, really. I mean, one would have been to come right by you, or it would have been to go up the stairs. 
And if they went up the stairs or if they went down the basement stairs, you would have heard the basement door open in order for them to get down there. And if they went on the stairs, you would have heard them walking on the stairs because those are some of the noisiest steps I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, you know it, buddy. You can hear the cat walking up those stairs. Right. It was crazy. And when you're doing it, I mean, when you're there and it's happening, uh, it's you want to try and figure out every possible explanation that there can be, but you end up with only ghosts left is the only possibility. What I was left with that night was there was no explanation for the noises that we all heard. We heard the door open. We heard footsteps. We heard the door close. And we walked right over there, and there was nobody there. There couldn't have been anybody there. There couldn't have been. Now, was that the only activity that you had that night, or was the house active in other ways? That night we experienced uh, some really weird temperature shifts that did, did not register on our equipment. We all felt cold air. But our equipment did not show any fluctuation in temperature at all. And and you said this was in April? Just, just past April, yes. So it was before the season even started, so it wasn't like the air conditioning was running or anything? No, no. It was, it was a you know comfortable night. The windows were, you know, some of the windows were open. It was a breezy night. But uh, one of the rooms, yeah, just we walked into the dining room. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the dining room. And uh, we could feel like this forceful cold air coming at us and it was right before the uh the door opening event that's incredible well i i can tell you that when we had our and, I, and i'm sure you've heard this story yourself bill but for the benefit of the audience when we were there uh it was just myself matt moniz jeff belanger chris balzano i don't think were you there matt that night uh, no, the, I don't think so. The night we were in the basement, we were all in the basement, and we were filming something, and we heard the same thing that you heard. We heard the door close. We heard footsteps walking across the floor. We thought somebody had broken in because Leanne wasn't there. She wasn't even at the house that night. We had the place to ourselves, and we knew that if anybody had walked in, we were screwed because <laughs> we're the ones that have to deal with them. So uh, we ran upstairs immediately because we thought somebody had, had decided to walk in or we thought the do- door was locked so they'd broken in. And so we go running up there and there's no one there. And there's no way they could have gotten by where we were. We would have seen them or we would have heard them. I do remember that, I do remember that story and I, and I didn't believe it until I experienced it myself. <laughs> so there you go. We have you know, two different nights and two different groups of people experiencing the same phenomena. That's as close to repeatability as we're going to get, I think. Nice talking to you, Tim. All right. You have a great night. You too. And uh, we are just about out of time for this hour. Uh, We have about two minutes. But before we take a break for the news, and we will pick this back up after the news, we'll talk the week and weird for a few minutes, and then we'll jump right back into these Lizzie Borden experiences, and we'll get really into the meat of what we think is going on and, and try and dig a little bit deeper into the story. But we welcome your calls as well, 508 996 877-996-1420, but I want to let everybody know that we only have 13 tickets left for our next Legend Trips event. That's awesome. It's it's making me uncomfortable because it's the number 13. That's my favorite number. So we need somebody to buy at least one, though, tonight so that I can sleep better. Okay. Somebody just buy one ticket so that it can be 12 and I can go to bed. I have a thing with... It's not 13 that bothers me. I have a thing with the number three. Why? I don't know. It's weird. The only three I can get away with is 33, because that was Larry Bird. Okay. But, like, and I guess maybe 23, that was Michael Jordan. But Well, three is supposed to be an angel number. 
I, you know, it's it's weird for me, though. Like, if I'm watching TV, I won't stop on 13. I won't stop on 23. 33 would be too loud on my TV. But so like, you're superstitious a little bit. A little bit in that regard. Uh, so... See, I was born on the 13th, so well, when Friday the 13th is my birthday, I get excited. That, then that works for you. Mm-hmm. For me, not so much. It's my lucky number. I will actually, uh, I will actually like not stop the microwave on a three. You know, if like if I'm like, oh, it's a, I can, the popcorn's burning, but there's three seconds left. I'm like, I'm gonna let it burn for two more seconds. So anyway, <laughs> there's 12, 13 <laughs> tickets left. If you want to get them, go to legendtrips.com. We are going to be the first people ever allowed to investigate Edaville. We're going to have the run of the place for the entire night. It's happening August 30th. This is a theme park, folks. This is an, an amusement park. If you've never been, there's rides that come from midways from all over the country. They're going to have their own attachments to them. They're going to have their own histories and stories behind them. We get to be in the building where the owner uh, died in a boiler explosion. We're going to get to investigate the house on the property where there was a suicide and there's been three different spirits reported there tons of activity over the years and a train ride so just go to legendtrips.com if you want to get those tickets we're going to take a break for the news and then when we come back we'll have more here on spooky south the local news talking sports the south coast turns to am 1420 wbsm new bedford and wbsm.com Silent Assassin, Matt Costa. Science advisor, Matt Moniz, taking the night off to recover from his work-related trip. Not not out in the field on assignment. I'm sure he would like to, but he's going to do the, the real job right now. So Next time we can, next time we'll send him out to Chicago to do some investigating. Or maybe he's just contracted Ebola virus and he's hiding out. Oh, don't make Ebola jokes, man. Too soon. <laughs> Way too soon. Did I not turn your mic on? I'm only saying it because he posted Hello. about it. There, there it is. Okay. Oh, you're yeah, there. I, I always get the numbers <laughs> confused on the microphones. Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time talking Ebola this morning. Did on, you? On the morning show. Yeah, well, I did. I didn't get a lot of calls. So I think that usually if I don't get a lot of calls, I think that means people agree with me. That's what I just That's tell myself. That's a good myself. way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. If people aren't calling in, it's because I've There's already no said the way they feel. Right. Right. Speaking of calls, you can call throughout this entire hour, not with your thoughts on Ebola, but your thoughts on Lizzie <laughs> Borden or anything else paranormally related, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. You can also tweet us at SpookySC, email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can post in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. I want to say hi to everybody that's in the chat room tonight. It's pretty bumping. We have a lot of folks in there. So thank you for joining us. And if you ever have the chance to listen to the show live, you should definitely be in the chat room interacting with other listeners as well. Um, I was going to say something else. I forgot what it was. Well, give us a call and don't be afraid. We'd like to hear from you. Right. We need to hear from you in this case because we're trying to get as much information about the Borden case as we can uh, as we try to make our determination of what exactly we think is going on. We will jump right back into that in a few minutes. Uh, We do want to do... 
Let me just hit that button. It's no, no, that's why I forgot when I hit that button, it's going to fire off something. Are you trying to get weird? I'm trying to get weird, but it's going to... There we go. Mm. All right. <laughs> it's definitely weird. It's weird how I can never do it correctly. <laughs> no comment. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. The Week in Weird. Alright, first up we have Woman Finds 80 Skeletons Crammed into Ikea Bags. I don't know if you guys have read this yet, but centuries-old skeletons were found in the basement of a Scandinavian church crammed into giant blue Ikea bags. A woman walked in, um, discovered what she counted to be about 80 to 90 human skulls. Um, these pictures are online, so you can actually Google them and look for them. She put them on her blog site. She was horrified by this. Apparently, the church called an arche- archaeological team uh, five years ago to exhume the skeletons, some estimated to be about 500 years old, for a renovation, supposedly, or according to one of the scientists who uh, spoke to the, the local newspaper. Uh, the plan was to rebury them as soon as possible, but the county board said that they couldn't leave the church ground and it became complicated. So, they're just sitting there. They were just rediscovered. And they did give props to the unusual storage containers because apparently it stops the mold from growing. No. So, I think I'd be horrified if I stumbled upon that. Yeah. So, they found the, they found the skulls, put them in Ikea bags, and then they were it's like, all we'll bury them later. I was looking at the pictures. It's all a bunch of bones and skulls just hanging out. A bag of bones. And the giant yeah. Ikea bags. So I guess the next time... Did it, did it come with like, uh, I- Ikea instructions? Put back I have to look into that. <laughs> That's good. The next time my wife's like, I'm going to Ikea. Do you want to go? I think I'll actually go this time. As opposed <laughs> to every other time. Oh, no, I don't want to go to Ikea. It sounds boring. That, that sort of overwhelms that. me. But apparently, you know, there's something weird going on there. Um, well, next, it's Swedish. Yes. So. Next up, we have uh, World Trade Center ship dates back to 1773. Have you oh, seen this? I did. I saw. I saw the uh, saw the pictures of it. Yeah. This is extremely fascinating to me, only because I love history. But um, I think it qualified for weird. Um, four years ago, it's just coming out now because they're dating the the wood from the ship. But four years ago, they unearthed a ship wreckage underneath what one of the World Trade Centers used to sit on. So. Um, researchers said this week that a vessel unearthed four years ago at the World Trade Center site in Lower Manhattan was made from wood that was cut around the year 1773, so pre-revolutionary war. Um, they had a hard time dating the wood back, but they had to actually end up cutting um, the tree rings to see how old it was. Oh, really? Yep. Um, let's see. Scientists at Columbia University's Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory, writing in July issue of the journal Tree Ring Research, said the white oak in the ship's frame came from a Philadelphia area forest and matched the material used to build the city's Independence Hall, which I thought was a really interesting connection. Um, They said tentatively identified it as a Dutch-designed Philadelphia-built sloop made to carry passengers and cargo over shallow, rocky water. They said it sailed for 20 to 30 years before being weighed down and sunk to the bottom of the Hudson River as landfill to extend lower Manhattan. A 32-foot piece of the vessel was found in July 2010. 
about 20 feet under a street during construction for a parking garage. Um, and it's actually not the first ship that they found unearthed in lower Manhattan. Um, the first one was found, they actually found an 18th century cargo ship on Water Street in 1982. So not every day you find a ship wreckage. Right, they, they, did, they did fill that area in. Yes. So I'd be interested in finding out if, if that wreckage is there completely under it or if it's just pieces of it that have all been piled in from the wreckage. Um, it looks pretty intact. Have you seen the pictures? I saw. I just saw the the picture that I saw. I had people looking at it, and it was like a small portion of it. Right. So it didn't. I didn't know if it was the full scale of everything. Well, they actually found an anchor not too far away too. Wow. So, um, maybe they found more and they haven't reported it yet. Who knows? But that's pretty interesting stuff, and it definitely qualifies as weird. Sure. It is weird, especially the year it was built. Shipwrecks fascinate me anyway. I've always been fascinated with that. I love it. Um, we should probably do a show on the Mary Celeste at some point, too, since, you know, we're five not? miles from Marion, so. We should. Something to put on the back burner. And last but not least, Matt Costa, this one's for you. Island near Buffalo, overrun by hundreds of cats. A small island near Buffalo has had a big cat problem thanks to people that have abandoned felines there over the years. Hundreds of feral and abandoned cats are believed to be on the Tonawana Island. Um, Mike Sharnock, who owns a marina in a restaurant on the 85-acre island just north of Buffalo, says that the cats are making a mess of the island and have even gotten onto the boats at his marina. Danielle Coogan has launched, launched I'm sorry, Operation Island Cats to stem the growing problem. She's been trapping cats and having them spayed or neutered by veterinarians. In the last 10 days, she's trapped 10 cats. Kittens will be up for adoption, and adult cats will be returned to the island. So I think that's where you need to take your next vacation. I think so, too. Yep. We'll be smitten. You would. <laughs> Rolling in a pile of kittens. kittens. Smitten by kittens. <laughs> um, well, I do have one one little story here that I'll throw in as weak and weird material. But uh, Paul Fegg, who is the director who directed The Heat... And Bridesmaids is currently rumored to be the new director of Ghostbusters 3. Hmm. So the the, the talk is that uh, he's, because Ivan Reitman stepped down when Hal Ramis died, said he didn't want to do it without him. Uh, So now the the current talk is that it will be Paul Feig and that it will be an all-female Ghostbusters team. Hmm. They haven't said if it's going to be a reboot where they're starting from scratch or if it's going to be a continuation of the original team, but they're talking about an all-female team. I just want to go on record as saying no. No offense, women. No. No? You don't no. like that idea? I wanted the original Ghostbusters to come back. I know Harold Ramis can't do it, right. but I still, that's how I want to see it. I don't want to see, because I already know who's going to be on the team. Do you? It's directed yeah. by Paul Fagg, so that means Melissa McCarthy is one of them. That'd be kind of funny, though. Kristen Wiig's going to be one yeah. of them. I do not want to see them as Ghostbusters. Probably Amy, Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler, I can imagine. Tina Fey, you might as well, if you're going to have Amy Poehler. Maya Rudolph. Yeah, see? I already don't like where this is going. <laughs> that would be strange. I don't want yeah. bridesmaids in jumpsuits. Yeah. That's what I It was a funny want. movie. It was though. a funny movie, for what it was. It, right. It's not Ghostbusters. Right. Do I think it would be funny to have females on the team and to see a different perspective of what goes on? Sure. But do I want to see an all-female team? No. Well, I just I don't want it to exist without Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Well, when you change the original of something, it always is weird or not right. So, some remakes are better. I don't know. 
The remakes lately have not been uh, up to par. When people remake Spooky South Coast, it's going to be so much better. (laughs) Is it? Definitely. All right, well, that does it for the Week in Weird for this week. If you have any stories you'd like to share with us, you can just tweet them to us at SpookySC. Use the hashtag Week in Weird. And you can also email them to us as well, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Nice. I don't even have any breaks to take. I guess I could take a break, but I'm not going to. I'm living living dangerously here in Radio World. <laughs> If only people actually knew, like, if management listened and like, hey, wait, why didn't you guys play any spots? Because we don't have any to play. <laughs> we yep. can make them up. They forgot about us. There's a few in here, uh, actually, that I just found. So we'll run those. <laughs> well, well, they, Spooky South Coast made the uh, WBSM Wikipedia page. We did. did you, I think I added that. Did you? I might have. Oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> it, did, it did say um, Tim Weisberg, terribly handsome host. Well, that's probably... So that's probably... Was that you? I would never put that. <laughs> I would never put that. That's That was probably Phil that wrote that. Now, now that makes me a little bit nervous when he gives me those hugs, those extra long hugs. Phil's awesome. Radio hugs. He is awesome. I'm just kidding. And uh, we are discussing the Borden case, and we, where we left off... We were kind of discussing the leg lifting incident, which has happened to a number of people. And it's happened not just when we're there, either. It's happened when other groups have come in, when other uh, paranormal groups have investigated, when other events have taken place. It's something that other people have had occur. And it's, it's one of those things where it's not possible that everybody is faking it. Right. It's not possible that everybody who has gone there and had that experience... Uh, it was all in their mind. Well, especially because I think I'd, it's safe to say the majority of the people don't even know each other. Right. And and a lot of the folks who have had it happen to them are people that I know and trust uh, that would never just And pretend. you don't even tell them what really happens ahead of time. You just kind of say, lay on the bed. It's been rumored that your legs will get lifted. And the more that it happens, the more I think... <sighs> It's just one of those stories that it's it's something that people can walk away with and feel comfortable. Right. You know, you can go there and have that experience and not feel terrified like you would if other activity takes place. It's kind of almost like a, a safe way to touch the other side when you're at the Lizzie Borden house. It's kind of like communicating. And there's no... You know, there's no terrible story associated with it. You know, nobody's ever had their legs ripped off and then beaten to death with them. You know, so it's, that would be terrible. Uh, yeah. I would not, not go not back yet. as many times as I had. So, there, so there's still that that uh, you know, just that way of saying you know, it's it's a, a more or less a friendly interaction, right? So I think that's why people are willing to give that a go. There's other things that have happened there, and other experiences that we've had that are a little bit more terrifying for people, right? I mean, we've been growled at. That was a, a very freaky experience. We were there with uh, Donna Lacroix doing uh, an investigation. And we were talking about when Taps had been there for Ghost Hunters. And her and Andy had been in the Knowlton room, and they heard this banging sound. And it turns out that it was the uh, sewing machine that's in the next room over, the Jennings room, that is known to go off on its own. The pedal will vibrate back and forth on its own. Uh, So we were in the other room. We made that noise, and Donna was in the Knowlton room. She said, yep, that's exactly what I heard. And we explained to her kind of what it was and what happened. So we all went and sat in the Knowlton room to see if we could hear it happen again. 
and we were conducting an EVP session at the time. And as we're all talking, we hear in the background, in the back corner of that room, uh, right near the wind, like between the window and the wall in that little corner where the roof slants, we all heard this very audible growl, long, low, like, mm-hmm. and it was, it was prolonged. It was a good five or six seconds. And we're all just like looking at each other like, did you hear that? And then as soon as it stopped, everybody's playing back their tape recorders. Nobody caught it. So I feel like that always happens. If you hear it audibly, you don't catch it. But that's good because that means that it wasn't a truck going by. It -hmm. wasn't something vibrating. If it was any of those noises, anything mundane like that, it would have picked up on the recorders. Very true. So the fact that we didn't have it made it all that more profound. Now, can we ever share that with anybody else and say, hey, listen to what we caught? No. But we all knew that we heard it. It was was probably five people in the room that heard it. Were you there, Matt, when that happened? No, no. So there, but there were other people in the room that heard it, and none of us caught it. So I, I mean, that's I consider that to be one of my better experiences there. Uh, and I know that there's been plenty of EVP that have come out of there. Uh, Luann, Jolie of uh, Wailing City Ghost, she's in the chat room. Hi, Luann. We uh, we had a great talk today earlier today, uh, but. She's caught some phenomenal EVPs out of there that have been featured in all the TV shows. And whenever they have us on TV talking about Lizzie Boyd, and it's always those clips that they want to play of this voice calling me a name, telling me to do something not so pleasant to myself. That happens to you quite often in that house. And the clip that we have where we think that it's Lizzie Boyd and saying, but I'm a good daughter in a Victorian really accent. Cool. And if you've never heard these all, they're all available. You can check them out on YouTube. You can check them out in our past episodes. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pull them all up and play them and just keep, you know, going on with those again and again. I'd rather you go back and download those other episodes so we get some more downloads. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, but but the fact that you know we we captured those that was the same night that I was thrown up against the wall, which was one of my more profound experiences there. Uh, when we were investigating for a magazine article, and if you remember, Matt, it was around this time. It was like late August, I think, of 2000, uh, middle August of 2007, uh-huh. and it was hot as hell in the house that day. There was nobody staying there. There was no air conditioning running, and just it was. Everybody was just sweaty and gross, and and uh, and Liz, the house psychic, was wearing a tank top. Mm-hmm. And we could see welts appearing on her. She felt like she was being attacked by Mr. Borden. She was getting scratches and welts that were showing up on her. Now, Stephanie, you study psychic abilities, mediumship abilities. And this happens from time to time with people where they, they feel like there's something present and they will be physical marks that result that will happen in occurrence with this. Right. And it doesn't normally look like what you see, like a regular scratch or something like that. It actually happened to me in the house. Is it something that people could do to themselves? Absolutely. But um, not with their own hands. I mean, can you make, can, can you somehow with your own subconscious the make a welt or a scratch pop up? Very well be hives just from, you know, whatever nervous energy is happening or, um, you know, your own thought process. Because a lot of people do go into it very nervous or unaware of what's going to happen. I call it the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yes, you could. Um, Could you physically do it to yourself as well? Absolutely. Um, I can say the one and only time it happened to me was in that house, and I was not nervous, afraid, anything. Um, The situation I was in wasn't exactly the best or the safest. So I did, I mean, I lifted my shirt up um, on the back of me when I walked outside, and uh, everybody had looked and like, oh, well, that's normal, Um, to the point where it resulted in bruises the next day. So it was... Definitely a strange phenomenon. Um, can I say that it was caused by something in the house? I'll, I'll never know. Um, I could feel something happening to me. I just wasn't sure what. See, with us, and were you in the room when that was happening, Matt? Uh, no, I don't think it was. Okay. Because I know that some of some of you guys were upstairs monitoring the, the camera right. in, the, in the Knowlton room. Uh, but what, what we saw, and I know Luann was in the room with me, I'm pretty sure, and, and I see her in the chat room so she can probably... Uh, jump in if uh if if she remembers this differently but we could see on liz Mm -hmm. like you would like like if you scratch yourself right now and you watch it show up right we saw that happening without anything making it happen right and she's there enough where she wouldn't be afraid or or anything like that i don't think so it's definitely something strange that is unexplainable so i see it picking on her and i decide to tell them like you know don't pick Mm -hmm. on her pick on someone your own size and I stood there and I said, I won't even fight back. And I put my hands behind my head and something grabbed my elbows and started wrestling me. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, I'm a pretty solid guy. It's right. hard to move me around. And especially if I'm fighting back. And I was fighting back. Like I was pushing back as much as I could. I wasn't, I didn't take my arms out of that position because I didn't want what was happening to stop. I was afraid that if I took my arms out and moved them forward, whatever it was there would move away. So I left my arms like that, and I just kept kind of pushing back against the pressure, and I ended up getting thrown against the wall. I remember hearing that story. Now, was that the first physical um, phenomenon that you did experience in the house? Aside from the leg lifting, which was far more gentle and took a lot longer to have happen, it didn't have this type of force. How did you feel after that happened? Were you thinking to yourself, this is real? What the heck was that? I was like, yeah, there was something there, and I just wanted to go after it even more. Which I think that was probably the basis of my adversarial relationship with whatever mm, was there. I'd say. And I, I think it was, you know, a lot of times I say that when I use that approach, it was because I was trying to make something happen. Mm-hmm. But I think it was more just a matter of, you know, it might have it might have actually thrown the first punch. Which yeah, absolutely. Until now, I never really thought about. But no, those type of things tend to screw with your mind a little bit anyways. I never really gave it much consideration. No, I just thought that I was the one that was going in there and acting like a jerk, and I was getting what I deserved. But now, looking back, I think it threw the first punch. Well, see, same thing with me. Um, I was in a similar situation as you, and um, I wouldn't so much say provoke it, but um, I was saying or asking questions that would not make it happy. Um, and But it started with me first. It came after me first. So naturally, your curiosity peaks, and you think to yourself, can this really happen? Is this happening? And you start to you know, push back a little bit just to see what will happen next, and then push back a little bit more, and that's how I ended up hurt. So um, don't do that at home, kids. But it, uh, it, since every time I've gone back to the house, at least, there's been one thing that has happened um, just back up until recently when I went with you. 
and when we're sitting with the Ouija board and hanging out, it's you've almost developed this relationship with what's in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's not a relationship you really want to have, but it remembers you, it knows you, and it waits for you to come back. It's very interesting. And he doesn't, not afraid to make himself known, no, that's for sure. not at all. Uh, just trying to think back chronologically, too. Well, that same night, if anybody has seen the footage of the camera moving, that was that same night. Now, Matt, we've de- we've debated this over the years, the camera oh, moving. Right. Because it was a hardwired camera. Yes. And it was moved. It, it was uh, the, the cables were run against the wall, right? They were taped to the wall? Uh, I, I don't think they were. Okay. But they were, but. you know, run against the wall so that hopefully nobody stepped on them or tripped on them. In the video itself, you see the camera move, and it's not... I had the camera for a number of years in my bag because Moniz wouldn't take it back when, I, when he gave it to me one night. I was like, here, take it. No, hold on to it. Here, take it. And I never use it, so I didn't want to have it taking up space in my bag all the time. But it was not a swivel camera. It was a base with the camera on it. For it to move, the whole unit had to move. So it picks up and it moves. Loanne was in the room. Well, she went into the room. She reset the camera. She stepped on the wire to try to make it happen again, and it didn't happen when she stepped on it. But then a few seconds later, it picks up and moves, and she could actually see it pick up and move. She could see it, like, make that shift. So were you able to, to try and mess around with that at all and have the same thing happen by stepping on the wires? Or um, I don't think we, we ever got it to do the same thing, the, the same uh, movement by stepping the wire or kicking it or... So I guess it's one of those things. I mean, everybody that was there mm-hmm. investigating that night was in that room right outside because everybody was talking. They were they weren't even talking. You know, they were, we were just having a conversation, right, about other things, and that's when it actually occurred. Which, as we know, that's when usually stuff occurs is when you stop paying attention, right. Uh, so that's it's definitely one of the clips that when we put it on the TV shows, it's the thing that everybody wants to know about it's the you know i remember when uh, we filmed ghost adventures and it was when sorry when zach saw that footage he was like obsessed with it he was like oh yeah i want to know all the details i want to know this i want to know that and they spent a good like 45 minutes zach and Moniz just talking about that for the camera and, you know they, they cut it all down but they talked about that for for quite a while because he was fascinated with it. He thought it was one of the the coolest pieces of evidence that he it ever saw. It is fascinating. The house itself is fascinating. Right, and that's probably one of the few great video captures that we've had there over the years. We've caught a lot of stuff audibly. We've had a lot of personal experiences. Uh, we haven't had a lot of great video, but that is definitely one of those things. Uh, we do have a call on the line, so let's go to the phones. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, Tim. Hey. I had to call because you were talking about the video. Yes. And I'm the one who checked that camera. And, you know, people ask me about that all the time. And I checked everything. I checked all the wires that were taped down. There was no way they could have been pulled or manipulated. All of them were, like, taped down so well to that chest that that camera was sitting on top of. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't the wires pulling. Something literally had to have moved the camera because the base of it was securely taped down with duct tape. And, you know, none of that duct tape was up. It was all secure. And 
I adjusted that camera, and it was right in front of me that it moved again. And I wasn't touching it. I was standing, you know, a foot and a half away from it. And the chest is curved, and the base of the camera is flat, so it would have to be held down in some fashion. Yep. Or else it wouldn't just sit on there, at least I don't think. No, it was secure. I know that I tried to put my phone on on the the wires to make sure that, you know, none of the women standing in the doorway could have maybe, you know, pulled the wire with their foot. You can see in the video, too, you see you stepping on the wire. Yep. Yep. That that the thing moved like that, it, it had to have been manipulated by touching it and turning it on the base. And it's interesting that it happens twice. Yeah, and pointed right back at my legs. You know, it, it was like it it almost, when it turned around like that, it, it seemed to have some consciousness because it pointed right at me. Mm. You know, um, that seemed deliberate to me. It wasn't just, uh, oh, it turned somehow. It deliberately, like, oh, yeah, you just messed around and checked everything, and, oh, look, I can do it again. That whole night was just uh, very active, and I remember that we had the the writer with us, uh, Jay, and I still I still talk to him from time to time. Yeah. And uh, and because he's the the current position that he holds, uh, he emails me, and and he still says it's like one of the uh, craziest nights that he's ever had. And he just came just to kind of document what we do. He wasn't planning yep. on kind of becoming part of the story, but he did. Yeah. Yeah. It did was phenomenal EVP that night. I mean, everything all together. That was that was one of the best nights activity wise. You know that that's definitely a top ten investigation in my eyes. And it's one of the ones that really really convinced me that that place has a lot of things going on. Not oh, yeah. ju- not just the Borden story. There's yep, more to it no. than just that. No, but you know we've talked a lot about the Lizzie Borden house and. There's so many factors because I think you do actually go back before the board ends with what's going on in that area. You know, you go back to the that skeleton and armor that they found. You know, to me that puts a possible burial ground underneath all those houses. Um, you know, the area, the rivers were almost on top of the place you have a ton of factors going on there you know it's it's almost like one of those what came first the chicken on the egg what came first the paranormal problem or the murders you know because there's a lot going on in that house and i don't feel it's just the bordens either you know i think there's a little something more there oh yeah and and we're definitely getting into into that coming up so well thank good good i love it you know i love a good lizzie (laughs) borden story (laughs) well thank you for checking in Oh, anytime. You guys have have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. And if anybody else would like to call and share their own board and stories, and again, it doesn't have to be a paranormal investigation. Maybe you were on the tour and something weird happened. You know, Maybe uh, you've been there visiting. Maybe you stayed the night there and something weird went on. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in and chime in. Uh, you can also jump in the chat room, too, at SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, but that night, again, being uh, just a phenomenally active night, we went back there many times afterwards. We had the incident where we were just there ourselves. It was uh, myself, Moniz, uh, Jeff, and Chris Balzano. We, were, we had that incident where we were in the basement. We heard the footsteps on the first floor, ran upstairs, nobody there. Jeff calls it one of the few 
real paranormal experiences he's had in his very long career. And he's been everywhere. Right. Any haunted place in the United States, he's been there. Which is really awesome. It, it's a great job to have. And uh, But he said that that's one of the most profound experiences that he's ever had. And then that same night, we were on the first floor in the dining room recording. Because that was right when Weird Massachusetts had come out, the book. And we were having Jeff on the show to talk about it, but we were pre-recording the show. And we were recording it in the dining room. And while we're in the dining room, we weren't recording the show at the time. I don't think... Maybe we were. I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to it. But we could hear the sound of a woman singing on the second That's floor. That's so weird. I might be getting this backwards. Oh, on one floor, we heard a woman crying. Okay. And then we went to that floor, and then we heard a baby on the next floor. It might have been a baby on the second floor, and then when we went upstairs, we heard the woman crying. I forget the exact order, but um, we heard on the upper floors a woman crying. And a baby crying. Now, was that audible? I'm sorry, a woman singing and a baby crying. Is it audible? Audible. Or is it, okay. We didn't catch it on a recording. We heard it with our own ears. And it freaked me out. Chris was a little bit on edge from it, too. Jeff was just like, I, I know, think whatever. anytime kids are involved, it just gets creepier. Yeah, kids do freak me out. Yeah. But it was just, and that's how it goes. Like, when there's nobody else in the house. I've been in the house by myself. And when you're in the house alone, you hear noises. Mm-hmm. When you're in the house with just a couple of people, you hear noises. Well, it's almost like a time warp, too. You know, most haunted houses, that word again, but um, you go to, there's some sort of normal part of the house where, you know, up-to-date living quarters, things like that. Mm-hmm. Leanne has her own, you know, separate place. Right. So you walk in, it's almost like you're walking in right to the day of the murders. Exactly. And and uh, and they've done everything they can. Right, which is, I think it adds to it. Down to the to wallpaper. It. it adds to it. I'm sure it adds to the energy, too. Um, because what they're coming back to is something extremely familiar. And so. it, as far as they're concerned, it might not be any different. You know, we could yep. be walking into their house. Uh, but the, the, the things that have gone on... I like to have those experiences when it's just a few people in the house, but it's also harder to get people to buy into that because they're going to be skeptical. It's like, well, you were the only ones there and you weren't recording anything. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it's hard to get people to accept that as being part of the overall story. But to me, it is. I mean, it's not just us, too. Other people who have been there alone have had those types of experiences. There's people who stayed there. They're the only couple staying there for the entire night. Leanne's out in the barn. They're the only people in the house. And, and the whole place will go haywire. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's. I think it's a big, you know, fun party thing for people to do too. Hey, for my birthday, I want to go hang out at Lizzie Borden's right. house, or I want to sleep over at Lizzie Borden's house. And um, I was actually at a cookout. I want to say maybe two months ago, and um, I don't even know how it came up. I might have been going, or I might have just come back um, right around the time that we went for Terracon. And uh, somebody said, "Oh, you do that?" Or I saw you checked in on Facebook at Lizzie Borden House. I've been there. I went with my sister, and you know she wanted to sleep over for her birthday. And I said, "Oh, you know, how did you like it?" And she's like, "I'll never go back." <laughs> why we slept in the same bed all night she was terrified i was terrified and you know i love to hear those stories because it's people that don't believe in the paranormal or don't think that anything can happen they're just going for the thrill of things and it actually does happen to them and i can tell you i've heard plenty of people who said that they would never go back there again but not one of them has ever said it has anything to do with the experience of staying there mm-hmm. you know everybody says what a great job leanne does oh, the breakfast awesome is fantastic yeah you know it's it's definitely a, a four-star experience but it's always something Strange. creepy that drives yep. them out and makes it so they won't go back. There are people that don't even stay the whole night. 
They leave in the middle Which of the night. Which is crazy because it's not cheap money. to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's no refunds. And so uh, the, the so when people do have those experiences, I definitely take – and they all write them down in the log. You know, when I, whenever I go there, I That's always really go cool. through the, the guest log and I read and I see what, what people are reporting there. But the uh, – you know, being there that night and having all those things go on, that uh, was pretty good because, you know, Jeff's pretty skeptical about a lot of stuff. And so to have him say, okay, you know, I can't explain this was pretty interesting. And I just, like when things happen to Jeff. I do too. Because the, he gets, it's, it's like he gets a renewed passion. Not that he has ever lost a passion mm-hmm. for it, but you can just see like he gets that sense of wonder again. Right. So instead of writing about other people having that sense of wonder, you can see him. I think I like to watch the again. genuine reaction. Yeah, he, to what's going on? He does definitely. He doesn't hold back no. with uh, with what he's feeling. So there's been so many other nights that we've been there for both events or other people's events or people investigating and they invite us to come over and a lot of things have happened. I think my next most significant experience personally was when uh, we were there on the anniversary of the murders. Moniz and I had been at the Quickishan Club. Okay. We were... I think we were meeting with Dan about doing the show there. And the, the plan was we had teamed up with DART, Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team, mm-hmm. to do an investigation over there. And I think this is when we were having the preliminary discussion with Dan about coming in and recording Spooky South Coast while we were doing the investigation. And so we decided on the way back to stop at Lizzie's because it was the anniversary. We wanted to just stop in and say hi. We knew some folks would be over there. And there were a couple of high school kids that were there. And they were walking around filming with a camera. And they asked us to investigate with them because they had never investigated before. And they wanted us to show them how. And we all went down to the basement because other things were going on in other parts of the house. So we went down to the basement. And that's where I saw a shadow figure legitimately for the first time. Like outright in front of me. I've seen that one a couple times. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And we followed it for about 45 minutes from room to room in the basement. Four people. Four people all seeing the same thing. Four people seeing a full figure standing there staring at us and then bolting from room to room. It wasn't like it was somebody's shadow in the wall. And whenever I see a shadow figure, I always do the same thing. Everybody hold completely still. All right, now everybody move your right arm. Move your left arm. Jump up and down. You know, just to see if it's any of our shadows that we're seeing in some some way. Uh, but when we looked at it, it was moving completely independent from all of us. It would move and then stop and then look at us, almost like to taunt us, to like, hey, are you coming? Are you going to chase us? And it went from all the different rooms on all the different walls uh, within that basement. And that basement is seg- segmented into one, two, three, essentially three different rooms. So to chase it all the way around was uh, was pretty interesting. And to have it go on for that long. And I've had shadow people experiences ever since then. But this was just great. Now, Matt, I don't know how you feel about shadow people. I know, Haven't you had shadow people experiences? Uh, I'm still not sure if they were legitimate shadow person stuff, but it is, it's an interesting phenomenon. I, it's almost like one of those things where I can buy into it as being something that exists mm-hmm. that is a physical reality but not a paranormal occurrence, if you get what I mean. Okay. You know, almost like it's possible that EVP is just recorded, you know, just uh, things that have been said over the years that have been imprinted environmentally and somehow retained. Maybe that's what a shadow figure it is. Maybe it's just the imprint of a person having walked in that space 
and it kind of just mm-hmm. stays stuck there and replays. Right. So, I don't know. But well, it's Would that be the same thing as a ghost? Depends on what your definition of a ghost is. I would. I think it would definitely be the definition of a residual haunting, if you want to get into the different Categories, types of hauntings. Yeah. yeah. But you argue about semantics all night. <laughs> the, the, the best, the, all I can say, and I know we're talking about Lizzie Borden tonight, but if you really want to believe in shadow people, I'm going to take you to the Houghton Mansion. Okay. If, if I really want to go. If what happens when you go happened to us the night that we go, you will believe in shadow people. Because that was amazing to s- stand there closer than you two are to me right now. The, the other people mm-hmm. that were on the other side of this little tiny hallway. Closer than we are. Uh, maybe the distance of like from here to the end of the board, away from each other. And to see these shadow figures walking in between us, turning and looking freaky. at us, and then continuing on their way. That blew my mind. And... I've, I've seen them quite a bit ever since in other places. So, Well, the more you look for it, the more it looks for you. As Moniz would say, does anybody want to do the Moniz impression? We'll let you do it. You probably do it better than I do. It's what he learned when he started investigating when he said, for every step you take toward the paranormal, it takes two steps toward you. It is true, though. It is. The and, more you think about it, the more your mind opens to the possibilities of what can happen. And... It's almost like, you know, when you see those pictures online, like, you know, uh, Tom Cruise has a tooth directly in the center of his face, cannot unsee. You know, when you see those type of things, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's forehead looks like another face, you know, cannot unsee. When you, have you seen that? <laughs> no. Look, look it up. Look it up. Look, it up. look up the Joaquin Phoenix forehead and and you'll see exactly what I mean. It's It's funny. But, you know, yeah, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's kind of how it is especially with shadow people. So, I mean, just trying to get up to date because so many things have happened there over the time. You're talking a good 10 years of experiences in a two-hour show. Yeah, yeah, just about. Uh, So when, I think the last time we were there was probably one of my favorite experiences of Mm -hmm. all time because for once it wasn't, you know, overtly negative, which is what a lot of my experiences have been. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean negative like in terms of like, it's not pleasant. Yeah, like it's taunting me. Not negative like, like oh, this was a bad time. Right. But I just mean like in terms of the, the, the approach of the, the... You're watching it now? <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? It's creepy. <laughs> yeah. No, if you... Oh, if, what are you, image searching? Yeah. If you actually... Because I can see on the window there. If yeah. you actually look, there's an actual video. Like of, of it zooming in. Because I guess it's from that movie Her. So if you see, you can actually see it like zooming in and it's, it's really weird. But... Uh, the last time we were there, it was yourself and Stephanie and me and Moniz, and we had mm-hmm. a few guests there that had uh, paid for the extra experience as part of Terracon. On the second night, you had gone home. It was just Moniz and I and Leanne, and she was in the barn. She had said she was going to go to bed, and we were supposed to lock the place up. And we had made arrangements to leave her the key. Right. And so uh, the way that it ended up happening is we locked the door. We walked out. We were getting ready to make arrangements, follow the arrangements for the key. And Leanne was awake. She popped out the attic window and said, why would you guys leave the light on? (laughs) We didn't leave the light on. Why would we have left the light on? The bathroom window on Mm -hmm. the third floor was open. 
Well, I was on. Sorry. So she's like, now I gotta go inside and I gotta unlock the door, go up to the third floor. Unlock. So she comes down, takes the key, goes inside. We see her turn the light off. She comes down the stairs, closes the door. Right as she closes the door, the light in Andrew and Abby's bedroom comes on. Like, now that light's on. Did you turn that light on to go upstairs? No. Well, it's on. So she has to go back inside. Unlock the door again. Go back inside. Turn that light off. She comes back outside. The third floor bathroom light turns on again. Now, if you are unfamiliar with the house, the third floor bathroom light can only be turned on from the switch outside the third floor bathroom. Right. There is a hallway light that can be turned on from the hallway, but only from the beginning of that hallway because the way that the back stairs run is there's one staircase that goes to the second floor, then you have to go around a corner and then up the staircase to the third floor. It's a really strangely designed house. Well, it was originally a two-family. Right. So it's it's a little bit different than the way that we would build it these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rooms are kind of all rabbit run uh, on the second floor. But the way that... For, even if it was the third floor hallway light that had come on, which it wasn't because we could see the light in the room mm-hmm. illuminated through the window. But if it had been the hallway light, even if that was the case, Leanne would have had to have gone up the first flight of stairs around the corner and hit the light switch to that floor in the amount of time that we saw her actually walking out of the building. There's no way that it could have happened. So we stand there watching as this is happening. She's going in there and turning lights off, and as soon as she locks the door, lights turn back on. And we're laughing. And I, I, we probably shouldn't have been. It's like, you know, midnight, and we shouldn't. She was it exhausted. Was she was though. exhausted, but it was funny. And she was getting frustrated. <laughs> and so finally, a few minutes go by, and we think we get all the lights turned off. We start. We leave to go home. Moniz and I are driving down the highway. We have a conversation on the phone. You know, he calls mm-hmm. me. He's like, "That was pretty nuts with the lights." Yep, yep. So we're talking for a couple, you know, a good ten minutes. Uh, after I hang up with him, I get a text. I can't really say what it said, right? <laughs> but basically, she said, "I hate you," <laughs> because she said that uh, she looked out the window and the light had gone back on again. So she had to go. But she's like, "I'm not even dealing with this anymore. I'm just going to leave the light on all night." I would too. I don't blame her. So it's just it's one of those things that yeah, we have all these weird, strong, creepy experiences, but then every once in a while you have something like that that happens and it actually turns out to be kind of funny. Uh, we do have a call on the line here, so let's take that. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hi, I was uh, just wondering if um Stephanie doesn't private readings. Oh no, no, we're not Stephanie's now a co host. No, 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 not not no, not tonight. I'm okay. just saying it at any time. Um, I usually do. Um, I'm on retirement right now till January. So till January, <laughs> I am. Yep. Um, so I, I'm expecting my first child in October. So oh, congratulations! Oh, thank you. So I'm taking the time off right now, just so that way I can give better, accurate readings. Let me let me tell you, you don't you don't want to get a reading from her no. now. <laughs> no, <laughs> pregnant brain is a real thing. Um, okay. So okay, that's great. So in January, how would I um, connect with you? Um, you can. Uh, contact me. My email address is sburke, B-U-R-K-E, 910 at com. You can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Burke. Um, I think Stephanie at SpookySouthCoast.com works now, too. Oh, does it? Okay. okay. Cool. I believe so. Cool. Well, you can get me. All right. There. Thank just, you so much. You're welcome. All right. Okay. So I'm, I'm just you as well. Sorry, I'm just so used to when I hear people say, are you doing readings? I think they mean like right now. Right. So I apologize for that, but... 
I knew, I knew though, eventually it's going to happen where people are going to call in and be like, well, Stephanie's there, right? She's They'll eventually catch on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, wait, that's the same, same Stephanie Burke? Yeah, but it is true. You don't want a reading from me right now. And nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's definitely way more important to be it bringing new life works. into the world. It's just, um, I, I th- I'm pretty sure my child's just about as psychic as I am, and it screws things up a little bit. So <laughs> things get interesting when I do try to read. So I, you know, somebody if, somebody's paying me. I'd like it to be 100. percent Right. If you don't feel if you don't feel like it's 100, percent then you're right in not taking people's money for it. Right. So. Sometimes there's people who. Do don't do feel that. that way, and right. we'll just take people's money anyway. And that so. horrifies me. It does. and I'm I, a very honest person. I know that it definitely does. So the, basically, we're, we're putting all this information together. Now, the theory that I came up with, and, and what seems to have been the way that I've approached this haunting, to use that word, Matt Costa, over the years, is that there is something there that predates the Bordens, it was there before the Bordens ever moved in, maybe mm-hmm. even before anybody ever even built a house there, as Luann was mentioning, uh, that there's something associated with that land. The land, yep. Some sort of malevolent force, some sort of, some people have suggested a portal being there, but there's something on that property that uh, is just bad, just fundamentally bad mm-hmm. or just fundamentally uh, the opposite of everything that we want to have happen. Right. And when this force was there, the Bordens moved in, already being dysfunctional. The family was not the best family. Uh, they had a lot of fighting going on with Abby Borden being the stepmother and, and, and Emmy, uh, Emmy, Lizzie and Emma not getting along with her. And so there's a lot of conflict in the house. There was especially conflict right before the murders with this discussion about this property that Andrew owned and and the daughter thought they were going to take possession of it, but he was going to give it to Abby anyway. And that's why John Morris had been there was to help in that and the facilitation of that. So all this stuff is going on. All this drama is going on. Whether this force decided to influence that and push it a little further or was the cause of that or either so, or could be correct. It, it could be anything. It, it could have just sat back and watched, mm-hmm. and it could have decided to push. It could have even pushed somebody to murder. Yes. Or that could have just happened anyway, and it was a happy byproduct for this thing. Mm-hmm. But either way, it and the way that I've always equated it is, it was like a big meal. If this thing fed off negativity then a double axe murder was like having a giant Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. And when you eat a giant Thanksgiving dinner, what's the first thing that you want to do afterwards? Go to sleep. Exactly. So this thing went to sleep for a number of years. And it wasn't until everybody started going in there as a bed and breakfast and started talking about all this stuff again because well, when the McGinn, up the energy when the McKins lived there they mm-hmm. would they said that you know Martha McGinn said her grandparents never had a paranormal experience there mm-hmm. that everything was happy it was a great house to live in a great house to grow up in so because people weren't focusing on that this thing stayed asleep well that too but then again it could be like I was talking about before different psychical energies of the ways that we all vibrate um could awaken it, could feed it, uh, it could not be interested 
at all. So it could have taken the right person to walk through the door to awaken the whole thing all over again. And so when people start going there as a bed and breakfast, start talking about the murders every day. Mm -hmm. And I think that this force realized that, okay, I can feed off of this It's at a playground, yeah. But instead of having that one big meal and then wanting to go to sleep, it's decided to just kind of snack Mm -hmm. and to get a little bit here and there. So that's why it will, quote-unquote, perform in order to keep getting people to come back and keep talking about the murders and keep poking around and asking questions and right. saying, you know, Mr. Borden, did you have an incestuous relationship with your daughter? All these all these horror stories that we hear about what might have gone on, which mm-hmm. a lot of researchers into the family have said, you know, it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to seem. But the fact that people make it out that way and they go in there with that approach is what this thing wants. Yes. So it has found a way to uh, basically have, instead of a big meal, a buffet. A buffet that it can just keep picking at. Well, nobody's ever really there long enough for it to truly feast on. That's true, too. Because I mean, the only person who stays there is Leanne. And that's still only sometimes. And so, so and sometimes her experiences that she has there are pretty bad. Right. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes she calls me in the middle of the night right. and says, I just got to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's... Does that mean that people shouldn't go there and stay there? No, absolutely not. You should definitely go and stay there. It's a great place. A great bed and, bec- bed and breakfast, a great right. experience. You're not going to be there long enough for anything bad to happen. <laughs> right. But it's just the overall story. When we start putting all these pieces together, there's something more there. You have to wonder why. You have to wonder what causes it. Us as humans, you know, we have that. Everybody's obsessed with trying to figure out who killed the Bordens. Everybody wants to be the one. They think they're going to be the one to crack the case. We're never going to find the answer. No, we're not. It's been 122 years. We're never going to figure it out. There's never going to be any missing you know, testimony, missing piece of evidence, anything that's ever going to blow the whole thing wide open. And to me, that's not even the biggest mystery. To me, the biggest mystery is what is going on there and why. Because that is something that is not unique to just that site. Mm-hmm. That is something that is something that is universal in other places that have this type of activity and experience. So right. that's the story that we really want to get to the bottom of. And that being said, we'll be back there coming this summer, uh, winter for Dead of Winter. We missed Dead of Summer this year because we were so busy booking other things and, mm-hmm. and the house got booked up, but we'll be back there probably in February for another event because people are asking already they want to get in there so and if you ever have the chance to stay i highly recommend it well that does it for this week's show we will be back next saturday night when our guest will be mark anthony the psychic lawyer so you'll want to tune in for that stephanie it'll be great to have you for that because yes. you know it helps I'm actually, actually looking forward to that to have an actual psychic makes things a lot easier and i just want to make sure everything's set up here okay looks like we're good All right, so uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us during the course of the week, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can find us on Twitter, at SpookySC. You can send us smoke signals, carrier pigeons. That all works, too. Just Find us any way you can. Whatever you need to do to get a hold of us, except stalking us in person. All right, until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.